you will this morning turn with me to our text, which is found in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. It reads this way. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art, how merciful and long-suffering Thou art toward Thy people. We thank Thee for that this morning. We thank Thee, Lord, that our all in all is in Thee, that You are our life, our life is hidden with Thee. Lord, I pray in this hour that You would manifest Thyself, that You would bring us to Thy throne, bring us to Thy feet, that we may hear Thy voice, that You may speak to us and comfort us with Thy Scriptures. And Lord, as we have heard the testimony of Thy saint long time ago, I pray, Lord, that Thou would work in our souls this day. This would indeed be our testimony also. O oh, Lord, may You be glorified. May You be lifted up. For truly, Lord, Thou art worthy. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul, when he penned these words, was facing death. He was right at the end of his life, and he was in a prison that was an old cistern that held water. And it only had a hole in the top of it. And that was it. There was no way in. There was no way out. And all the prisoners were let down. There was no way they could escape. And Paul was sitting in there as he was awaiting execution. And he wrote this last letter that he would write um, in his life. And he wrote it to one that was beloved in the truth, Timothy. And Timothy was a very scared young man at this time. And Paul as he was about to move off the scene, and we know that if you just turn your page over and you look at chapter 4, Paul says some things that the, in chapter 4. He says in verse 6, he says, For I'm now ready to be offered. Paul knew that his time had come. This was not the earlier time in his life when he was in the prison at Rome and, and he, allowed, he was allowed visitors to come and go and, and uh, he had more liberties. That wasn't the case anymore. He was awaiting death. And he says, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. It's imminent. And the imminence of his departure was put upon him. I thought about that this week long and hard. You know, with COVID-19 in the midst of us, I have watched... After every, every week, it seems like I'm always getting news that somebody in my life has died of COVID-19. It's been that way probably for the last two or three weeks. This week was no exception. Somebody that in my life I have crossed paths with or they were, they were instrumental or part of my life in some way. And it makes you really start to think. And then yesterday, as I watched some of the things on TV about 9-11, I started to think, and I started to think about that day 20 years ago. And that 2,300 and some odd people, when they got up that morning, 
I venture to say they did not know that that before that day was over, they would be in eternity. We all go about our days that way. With no weight upon the soberness that we were in the hands of an almighty, sovereign God. We go day in and day out and we don't give much thought or weightiness to that, that this could be the day that we, that we are in eternity. That we are known as we are known. And I thought about that. It weighed upon me yesterday and I, and I thought about Paul's testimony. Because Paul did know. Paul was warned. Paul was comforted. He's about to be beheaded. And yet, in these last hours, and this and it was shortly, right shortly after this letter was done, that Paul would die. And as he read wrote these things, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Paul looked back in his life and he looked at where the Lord had brought him and what he doesn't see is the church that he persecuted. What he doesn't see is that he was standing there when Stephen was taken off the face of this earth and he was holding those coats in his arm and he was consenting unto Stephen's death. He doesn't see that. Because the Lord in His great compassion and love for Paul had prepared him to move off of this life. Move from this life. And Paul said, I have fought a good fight. And it has been a fight. My old nature in me wells up in me many times. But the Lord has always been faithful. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. The course that was laid out before the foundation of the world. I have kept the faith. That's a testimony of assurance. Do you see that this morning? That as he is facing that last hour on earth, he has an assurance that he has been kept. And that goes hand in hand with our passage today. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to you and I, if we be in Christ. He says, not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. That's a qualifying word. Like Romans 8.28, to them who love God. Those are qualifying things. As we sit in these seats today, as I stand before you, that is the question. Is the Lord the most preeminent thing in my life? Does He get my love over any love of any person or anything in this life? And we have to say for the, for the Apostle Paul, that was the case. He loved his Lord. He had written earlier in a letter to the Philippians, he said, I'm caught in between two. I desire to be with the Lord, but I also desire to be here with you. We don't hear that anymore. His time is up. He has been ready for this hour. And as he sits here with, and he writes this letter to Timothy, as I said, Timothy is very frightened 
Because Timothy's mentor and the one that he loves and the one that he has been taught in the Lord is about to die and is about to be persecuted and is about to be taken off the face of this earth. And Paul, what he is giving to Timothy is not the churches because he leaves that is what he's committed to the Lord. Not the ministry of the gospel because that too is the Lord's. But the care, the nurturing. And he wants Timothy to walk in his path. The path that the Lord's ordained him to walk in. And if we back up just a little bit before our text, after all the things that he says and he addresses it to Timothy, he says in verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, brother Timothy. And it's a very troubling time. And it's a very troubling time as Christians are being persecuted. It's a very troubling time. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. But what He has given us is power. What He has given That's what He wants Timothy to know. God has ordained a path for my life and He's ordained one for you. And it's by His power that you will walk in that life. It is by His power you will carry out everything that God has ordained you to preach, you to minister to, just as He did me. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit, uh, I mean, He's given us power, and He's given us love, and He's given us a sound mind. So as all these peripheral things are going on in your life, Timothy, and as you see the persecution of the church, and as you see the persecution of me, the Apostle Paul, it's not a time to be fearful. God hasn't given you that. That's sown by the wicked one. That's sown in your fallen nature. That's what the world around you is teaching you, to be fearful. But God hasn't given you that. He hasn't given me that, and I'm about to die. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Timothy, do not be ashamed of the, te- of the testimony of the Lord and His finished work and the gospel that He has presented to both of us. That He has wrought in our hearts. Don't ever have any shame or any regret over preaching that gospel. That one hits right to the core. Because when the Holy Spirit takes a passage like that, it it, comes to our souls and it says, how many times have you been ashamed? Have you been ashamed to speak in the name of the Lord? To stand in His truth? And how many times has that led to compromise? Looking the other way or tolerating? He's exhorting Timothy out of great love and he says, don't be ashamed of the Gospel nor of me as prisoner. Don't be ashamed that I'm about to to lay down my life. Don't, Don't be ashamed that I'm about to die. Don't be ashamed that the end of preaching the gospel has put me here in these bonds. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. According to the power of God. That's how we can become partakers of the afflictions of the gospel by his power 
Ain't nobody in here signing up to be afflicted. Nobody says going out that door today saying, I can't wait to get my next affliction. The Lord, what is it? But it's grace that readies the child of God. It's grace that prepares the child of God. And that's what I want you to understand. The brevity of the moment that Paul writes this in. Because it is. It's, it's, it's it for him. You and I don't know the appointed hour of our time here. I told you that, that was what was impressed upon me the most yesterday. As those people went to work or those firefighters and those police officers and everybody went. It was a routine day. So they thought. And that would be the, the very hour that at that moment when their last breath left them wherever they were, whether they were in the towers, where they were in the surrounding areas, where they were on those planes, wherever they were, that was the very moment they were standing in eternity. That's heavy. That's heavy. And that's, that's where Paul's at. He knows that day is imminent to him. And then he tells them not, not to be to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And then he tells us what that gospel is. Who has saved us. And he's called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. Timothy, this is his purpose and grace that I am here at this hour. It is His purpose and grace that He called me away from the life that I lived, the persecution of the church, and He turned me unto Him. And He put a word upon my heart and upon my soul to preach the gospel. That it's all of grace. That it's all of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of that. His own purpose and grace which was given us, the church, Paul and Timothy, in Christ Jesus before the world began. See, it was predestinated in eternity. But here's the beauty of it. The verse, the very next verse tells us it must be lived and experienced in time. Nobody is taken to heaven that has not experienced grace. I don't care how young they are. I know that's hard to understand, but that's what the Bible tells us. Is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. That's why Paul's not worried about death, because it's been abolished in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ when he came out of that grave. And it guaranteed for Paul, and Paul wrote that, it guaranteed everything. It guaranteed his resurrection. It guaranteed his eternity. It guaranteed his life. It guaranteed his life after this. It guaranteed everything because of him. He's abolished death and he's brought life and immortality. How can you speak of immortality when you're about to die? Because he's not talking about life here on earth. 
He's talking about eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Through the Gospel. The hearing of the Gospel. The the quickening of the Gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Those were his titles. And then we come to our text. For the which cause, as I've been a preacher of the word, I've caused, I've suffered many things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. He reiterates it again. There's no shame. There's no regret. As I said, we look, we get older, we look back in our life, and we start to regret things. And I tell you, if, if he's allowed to go in the flesh, he's going to regret being there that day of, with Stephen. He's going to regret persecuting the church. But in Christ Jesus, we have no regrets. For that is what Christ has done and formed in our life. This is our testimony. Is it yours? In the face of imminent death and you and I I hope you know from the moment we've been born we've been dying and that day is appointed for every one of us in here and he says I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed of, of, of what the Lord has made me as a preacher to the Gentiles I'm not ashamed that He's made me an apostle. And I'm not ashamed that I'm here in bonds. And I'm about to die. And then He tells us why He's not ashamed. And you know, <laughs> I chuckle sometimes. I, I, I listen to religious conversations. I hear them sometimes at work. I hear them from family members. And, they all go around asking people what they believe. or They reach somebody in the supermarket and they want to know what they believe. I don't care what you believe. I really don't. I don't care what anybody believes. I'm with the Apostle Paul who says, I know whom I have believed. I want to know if you believe a whom. That's it. Do you believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Is that, is that your testimony? Are you too busy running around telling everybody what you believe? Doesn't matter. Paul ain't gonna tell you what he believes. He's gonna tell you who he believes. It's a person. I know whom I have believed. Whom? It's a person. Salvation is in a person. And it's by the faith of the Son of God. That's what we see. I know whom I have believed. It is my faith. The faith that the Lord has imputed to me. But is it my faith? You know, I'm going to quote this. He said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul's living right now. He's living in these last hours of his life. Just as much as he's living when he, li when he penned those words to the Galatians. He is living. I live right now. Yet not I but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, as I live here in this prison cell, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Yes, it is His faith. But it is gifted to Paul, therefore it is His faith. It's not by any other claim. It's not I have faith and I believe. No, it's because of the person of Christ. It's because it's His faith who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's His testimony. It was early in His life. It's His testimony now. I know whom I have believed. I know. I'm absolutely convinced. Paul's told us that his whole life. His whole ministry he's told us that. In 1 Corinthians 2.12 he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all I want to know. You say, well, Paul knew about tents. Yeah. You'll never hear him preach about tents. He preached about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because that's who he knew. He was convinced that Christ was his Savior. Christ was his life. Christ was his all in all. Even to the very end. In his heart, in his entire being, he knew it was Christ. He wrote that to the Romans in 10.9. He said, That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a heart knowledge. It's not a head knowledge. Lots of people have head knowledge. You can get a lot of head knowledge in seminaries. Head knowledge. No heart knowledge. That comes from the Holy Ghost. That comes from the Lord Himself, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It comes from the Father. You would not have that understanding, Peter, if my Father hadn't revealed it to you. It's the need of the hour for you and I. And the sober reality of things is I look about you all this week and now and next week, there may be one in here or two that may not be among us anymore on the face of this earth. That's the reality. Paul knew that reality. And it wasn't scary for Paul. It wasn't frightening. You know why? Because he knew who he believed. He knew his Savior. He knew the one who performed all things for him. He knew him. And that's what that faith does. It knows the Lord. It honors the Lord. It worships the Lord. In His rightful place, exalted. He must increase, I must decrease. And that knowledge that Paul said was the most excellent thing that he had on the face of this earth. Did you know that? Can you say that this morning? Can I say that this morning? That the most excellent thing that I have on the face of this earth is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't believe him? Turn over to Philippians 3. I think he tells us that in Philippians 3. Verse 8, he says, Yea, doubtless. Well, we might as well start in 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, I count all things, there's no doubt in my mind, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. The most excellent thing on the face of this earth that I can attain to. The knowledge of my Lord. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine of Christ. It is the most precious thing to me. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Be found in Him. I think about, you know, when I was on the farm uh, where I lived, we, we had what we called a, a dung heap. And um, you'd throw everything that was bad there, you know. Mom, what she didn't cook or whatever, she did go out there on the heap. We'd have dead trees or dead things. We'd go out there on the heap. And you would just, during the week, you would just gather things and you'd go throw it out on the heap. And that's what Paul's saying. That's the image that's before us. Everything I've sat and took inventory in my life, I just threw it on the heap. Oh, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Throw it on the heap. I, I sat under the feet of Gamaliel. Throw that on the heap. I used to be one of the highest. Throw that on the heap. It's all garbage to me. Why? Because now he has the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Not in his head, in his heart. And, and that has become life to him. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is through, I'm sorry, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. By faith again. To apprehend that Christ's righteousness is greater than my filthy rags of righteousness. That's the mind of Christ that I need. His faith. That I may know Him. There He wants to know Him again. Say, Paul... All these letters I've written, I've read that you've written, it seems to me that you know Him. But yet in this passage, He tells us He hasn't attained. He wants to know more. He wants to know Him more. He desires to know more and more. Even in this hour, He's writing this letter to Timothy. He wants to know more. I know what I know. I want to know Him now as my... My Redeemer. Isn't that what's most important to us? We get a glimpse of those sins. We see what we are every day without Him. To know that He has redeemed us and saved us. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. You know what Paul's doing in the bottom of this, this jail cell right now? He's being conformable Conformed to the image of the Son of, the Son of God. That's what. That's what. He, it, it's just. It's part of that readying. And the Lord's faithfulness to do it. Yeah, I know whom I believe. I know who it is. It's a person. He didn't leave that person behind in the rest of this testimony. He says, and I'm persuaded that He, that's that same person, 
is able to keep. He is. I'm convinced, I'm assured that He is able to keep. He told those at Thessalonica, faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. You don't think those words are ringing in His mind now that the Lord has impressed upon Him, I will do it. I will usher you into that final hour. I will be your help. I will be your peace. I will be your comfort. It's, it's, it's a strange thing that Paul is the one that's about to die and Timothy is the one that's timid. It kind of seems backwards, doesn't it? But that faith, the faith that the Lord gives, and I'm not saying Timothy didn't have any faith, but the strength of the faith the Lord strengthens. Oh Lord, increase my faith. And He is. He is. But Paul is convinced and persuaded that Christ is able to keep and preserve. Christ is. He. Paul's hope and confidence is not in himself. It's in another. It's, it's not our hold on Him that saves us. It's His hold on us. It's not the promises that I make to Him. It's the promises that He's made to me. It's not by works of righteousness what He told us. not of works of righteousness what we have done. But it's His righteousness that we trust in by the faith that He gives us to trust in. Because left to ourselves, it's what we see this morning. One doesn't trust, one does. We certainly can't cast any stones because we're fearful people. God hadn't given us that. He hadn't given us the spirit of fear. But dear ones, He's not only able, He's willing. And that's the difference. You know, we can be able about a lot of things. We're able to do a lot of things, but are we willing? Yeah, no, not as much. But He is. I jotted down a couple of scriptures here. We start in Hebrews 7.25 where He says, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. See, that's willing. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He liveth eternally forever to make intercession for us. He's willing. And He's able. He's able to save them to the uttermost. You know, there's there's different occurrences in our life, different days in our life that we believe or we're convinced we need more saving that day than we do the prior day. We're, we're given a glimpse of the wretchedness that we really are. And the Lord says, I can save to the uttermost. I'm able to do it, but I'm also willing. Because I'm interceding for you with the Father in my righteousness. Turn with me over to the end of Jude. 
That's right before Revelation. I mean right before it. This is the way Jude finishes his not lengthy epistle. It's only one chapter. But he says this, he says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is able to keep us from falling. That's what he's preserving Paul in his final hours. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. This is willing. Not only is he able, he's willing. He presents us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is willing and able to do such. Not on our merits, on his merits. To the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, at the end in verse 21, he says, speaking of the Lord changing our vile body, he says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? Well, you don't think a lot of that, usually at resurrection time, but what a, what a glorious Lord to provide from cradle to grave and beyond. And then he says, according to what? According to the working whereby He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. I put that one in there for that, that subdue all things. Those thoughts we have, those wayward thoughts that are not of the gospel, He is able to subdue those. He is able to put those down. He is able to subdue the fearfulness that we have. He's able to subdue the the thoughts of doubt. I mean, those words that Paul wrote, yea, doubtless. Doubtless. That That is a blessed mercy, isn't it? To be preserved to the end with no doubts. I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that He is able to keep. He is. And praise be to God that He does. But what is He keeping? Well, we know we're preserved in Christ Jesus. Paul's testimony in this letter shows us that the preservation of the saints. that which I have committed unto him against that day. I've already hinted on that. It's Christ's work in us. It's Christ's faith, but it's ours. It is us that is believing, but it's by the gift of Christ. Yes, Christ is in us. But Paul says there's something that I've committed unto Him against that day. And and it's like our lives are a paradox here. A Christian life is a paradox. It's paradoxical. We're dead, yet we're living. We sorrow, yet we have joy. We, We believe, yet it's His faith. Everything 
in our lives is paradoxical. But Paul said that he has committed, that, that the Lord is able to keep that which he has committed unto him against that day. And I hinted on that earlier. He's not telling Timothy that I want you to take over the churches. I want you to do that. No. He has left that in the hands of his Lord. I think about that, you know, as I'm 51 years old now, I start to think more about that day and I think about my family and I think about things that I leave behind and I think about, and, and the Lord has to stop me and say, no, 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 you're not their caretaker. I am. I am. I will take care of them. And that has to be committed unto Him. That has to be in His hands. How is that? By His faith. That's how. I, there's nothing in me that can do that. The gospel that Paul has preached his whole life, he commits that in the hands of the Lord. Lord, that is for you to sow the gospel wherever you want to. That taking part in the stoning of Stephen. That railing on the churches. That throwing Christians into jail. That being consenting unto the death of the people of God. Was a mark on Paul's life. Those were sins in Paul's life. And he says, you know, by faith, by Christ... I can rest that the Lord's dealt with them. That He's put them away. That my record is clean. That as, I, that as I leave this earth, everything's been accounted for. He's paid the price of every one of my sins. He's taken every one of them away. He stood as my substitute. He stood in my place. That's where Paul is brought to at the end of his life. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. And that day is coming quick for Paul. It's the day that he will be in eternity. The day of judgment is committed into the Lord's hands. The day of of the resurrection is in the Lord's hands. The day of the Lord coming is in His hands. And that's the rest that is given the people of God. That's it. It's re- we're brought to rest in His finished work. Is that not the need of the hour? I'm sure like me, you probably heard a lot of things this weekend. A lot of things you, your mind is going through. Some disturbing images. and Things like that that disturb us here in this life. Very disturbing things. But to have this testimony. The testimony to know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, hold fast. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep 
by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. By the Holy Ghost. He reminds him again, we're kept by the power of God. May the Lord impress that upon us now in this hour. And as we go from this place. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy power and thy clarity. For this I ask in Jesus' name.